0: Life is hard. Between the bills, a full calendar, and the stresses of life, we can be unsure of what to do next. God can seem farther and farther away as we focus in on the things of life. In the midst of the chaos, God calls us to know and rest in Him. But how? Join us as we begin our series, Back to the Start, as we answer these burning questions. Thanks, you guys. I have to be careful they don't drop it forwards. You can drop it backwards, but not forwards. That would be a catastrophe, that would be a catastrophe Jimmy. You're right. <laughs> Especially during Pastor Appreciation Month. That would not look good. Then I'll read about it, wouldn't they? Oh, that poor pastor. That's what he gets. <laughs> Well, if if you're here for the first time, welcome. We're so glad you're here. But we're especially glad you're here right now because we're coming down to the last final weeks of the series we started a few weeks ago, actually a few months ago, called uh, uh, Back to the Start or Back to the Basics. And what we've decided, what we've pulled out of the Bible is there's three things that every Christian needs to know and live out. Number one is love God. Number two is love others. And starting this week, it is... Excellent, Jimmy, go do God, or go do good, as others would. This is where the rubber meets the road. Everything that we've learned up to this point about loving God, about loving others, is gonna be brought to, to, to focus with going and doing good outside of the walls of the church. Everything that we've done inside the walls of the church Praying and, and growing in our understanding of God's word, loving Him by being obedient to Him, and then loving each other here in the family of God, now's where it really begins. Now is where God says, okay, now take all that you've learned and go out and do likewise. Hold on a minute. What? <laughs> God, it's one thing to give you an hour and a half. Maybe if I come on Wednesday nights, three hours a week, but now you want me to do the stuff I do in here. Out there with my friends and, and, and with my family and, and with my colleagues. I, I don't know if I signed up for that, God. I, I already give you an hour and a half, three hours a week. That sounds really hard. I don't know how to do it, and, and I don't know if I really feel comfortable doing that. But well, we all have our excuses, don't we? And yet, all the while, God is saying, Go do good. Go do good. Go do good. We're gonna try a little practice here, and maybe this will help you understand better. In fact, I'm even gonna give you the good part. I'm gonna let you guys play God. We're gonna do a little role play here, and and guys, you get to play the part of God. Guys, husbands, enjoy it because it's only gonna be some of the uh, repeat some of the excuses. I'm gonna read off some of the responses, some of the uh, repeat some of the excuses that we make when God tells us to go do good and. You guys playing the role of God, you will always respond with the words, Go do good. Let's try that together. One, two, three. Go do good. Now remember, you're talking like God, so you got to talk really loudly, really clearly, and with a British accent. Okay, you ready? (laughs) But Lord, there's still so much to do inside the church. Come on, like you mean it. Go do good. Nice. But, Lord, I already have so much on my plate. Go do good. But, Lord, the need is so great, and we are so few. Go do good. But, Lord, what if they don't want my help? Go do good. Oh, come on, together now. Go do good. But, Lord, we don't have the resources to even make a dent in the problem. Go do good. But, Lord... I'm afraid. Apparently you are too. (laughs) Folks, this is God's answer to every excuse we can come up with. This is God's answer to every reason we can have for why we need to stay inside this building. That we, To give God a, a reason to leave us, an answer to everything we can come up with. To, to give God a, a reason to leave us alone and let us stay here to work on ourselves just a little bit longer. Boy, we've taken weeks and weeks, and I know you've been thinking to yourself, Boy, how long can we talk about loving God and loving others? Can't we finally get to the last one? Well, now we're the last one. Where the rubber is going to meet the road. And you're like, hey, um, can we go back to number one? I'm not sure I really No, It's time. We saw it in the video. We're going to read it in God's word. And you know in your heart, it is time to go do good. Open up your Bible. We're going to dig out a story from the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 4, the words will appear on the screen, I hope it's difficult for you to read them, I hope this bright yellow sign is sticking in your eyeball so it's hard to focus on anything else, then I've reached my goal, Jeremiah 29 verse 4 through 7, I'll read it out loud, if you have it in your Bible that's great, you can even have it on your your Bible app, Uh, you'll find the notes for the sermon in there. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. I'll read it out loud. And then we're gonna pull out here what I believe are five steps to, to living a life that is that is on mission with and for God. So that we understand what the Bible is teaching about going and doing good and what 29 verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those that I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse 5, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. And verse 7, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. All right, right there, that's some powerful words spoken by the, the Lord, uh, uh, the God of all the universes that were ever created to you and to me. First to the, the the people of Israel who were pulled into exile, but also now to you and me thousands of years later. What does it look like to go do good? This is a biblical foundation that we're going to build on. And, and walking through these five steps, we're going to understand what it looks like to live a life that is on mission with And for God, where we are going and where we are doing the good that He has called us to do. So, number one, that first step is that we we have to understand that we are placed for a purpose. Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried a little bit out of verse seven. In verse four, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile. Then jump down to verse seven. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you. Into exile. This idea of carrying into exile was crazy for the Hebrews. Why? Without going too far into the history, the the, the Hebrews messed up. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes God would use this idea of of letting them be defeated, letting them be carried off into exile, letting a number of them actually be be killed in in battle. It was some some horrible things back then, but God would use these as teachable moments. (laughs) And this was one of those teachable moments. He allowed them to be carried off. No one stole the people from God. No one took them without his permission. He wasn't busy doing something else, and they snuck away the Bible says he carried them into exile. And they're like, wait, what? We're stuck here in Babylon. We left our home and our family, our security, and now we're under the oppression of these horrible, mean people. And you brought us here, God? Folks, here's the deal. <clears throat> if we're going to understand what a life looks like that is on mission with and for God that we are in the path of going and doing good. The very first step we take is to understand where you have been planted, where you have been placed which family, which neighborhood, which house, even which church family you were going to be a part of. He knew exactly what school and and what job trajectory you were going to take. He knew all of those things and he's placed you there because he has a plan for your life and he has a plan to build his kingdom here in Cape Coral and Lee County and you play a role in that. God cares You to that place. Now the Hebrews were saying, "Wait a minute! I I didn't sign up for this. I, I didn't want to be a part of this. If I only could go back home, then I could serve the Lord. If I could only be in my own house, then I could serve the Lord. If I could only go back to my old..." traditions and my old way of doing things, my old way of life, then I could serve life. Then I'd be happy to go and do good all day long, Lord. But stuck in this place, in this situation, with this family and this regime, I'm going to stay where I am. And God says, no, I have placed you there on purpose. But we say, if it is not my plan, if it is not my desire, then God can't be in it. I just better sit here and wait here and stew here until God fix all of this. And then I can finally serve him. And God says, no, I want you to serve me where you are, how you are, and when you are right now. What about you? Has God carried you to a place that you would not have chosen? Has God brought you into a family that you would not have chosen? And you do to a place in your employment or lack thereof that you would not have chosen. And you're saying, well, until God fixes this, I'm not going to raise one finger for him. God is saying, I've carried you there. I've placed you there. I have a purpose for your life right where you are. Will you allow him? What about Paul in chains? You remember the story about Paul in chains? Paul could not imagine a more godly man on the face of the earth during his lifetime. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. He he was as close to God as any other human being on the face of the earth at that time, and God landed him in prison. So what does Paul do? He says, well, until God gets me out of this place, I guess I'm just going to have to sit here and stew. I'm not happy about it, so no one else Is going to be happy about it. And you know that's not the the way it was. As soon as he sat down, the first thought in his mind is, wow, look at all my new friends. (laughs) They don't know Jesus and he's never even heard of Jesus. This is great. Thank you, Lord. Wednesday night, we we're listening to a, a Bible study. If you have not come to Wednesday night Bible study, adult Bible study, you are missing out. Don't miss this opportunity. Every Wednesday night, we're, we're, we're here. Well, for now, we're in that room. We're kind of outgrowing that room. We may have to get a new one. But the last few weeks, we've been studying uh, the book of Colossians with, book. with Pastor Louis. Exactly. Louis Giglio. Louie Giglio. Jimmy, your uh, time when he came down to South Florida. To, uh, to speak at a, at a little conference, and a uh, little 11 year old boy that had, had heard Pastor Louis on the radio or on the internet and, and was so looking forward to seeing him live and listening to the praise band from his church. Pastor Louis is bringing his praise band. There are some wonderful musicians. But the young man, 11 years old, he was uh, very sick with cancer, and he had good days and he had bad days. And it happened on that day when Pastor Louis was to speak at his church, the young man was having a really bad day. Pastor Louis heard about this, got the whole band together, and they went to visit this young man at the hospital. So Louis shared a word out of the Bible. The band sung a few songs. I mean, it was beautiful. They loved it. But then before he left, Pastor Louis said, Now, young man, you know, how, how can we pray for you before we leave? Fully expecting the 11 year old kid who was literally dying of cancer to pray for healing, that they would anoint him with oil, that God would change his situation. That's not at all what he said. The 11-year-old kid looked up at him and said, you know what? My brothers and my sisters, are really struggling with this. Would you pray for them? Pastor Louis, of course, (laughs) choking back tears, prayed for the the brothers and sisters. He said, but but, but tell me, there's got to be something else we can pray for, for you personally. How can we pray for you? He said, oh, yeah, sure. Doctors that I get to meet every single day while I'm here in the hospital. He's not supposed to pray that. He's supposed to want out of that situation. He's supposed to want to get healed. He's supposed to expect God to fix everything for him first, and then he'll go do some good. Silly kid. The first step in going and doing good is understanding that we are placed for a purpose. Second of all, God is calling us to build, God is calling us to build Homes and build relationships where we are. Look at verse number five. Again, this is God speaking. He's telling this people, He's telling you and me, build houses and settle down. Now you know, like I know, that a house is not necessarily a house. And I checked into this word and I found out sure enough is exactly what I expected. This word for house is not necessarily just a building, four walls and a, and a little bit of a roof. It actually is a word that you and I would say in English for home. So here's the deal. A house is not a home. You can buy a house, you can even build a house. But a home, you know the deal. A home is made with love. I'll give you an example. We, uh, we were a part of helping were CC and Jesus. I don't see them. Are uh, there CC? Jesus working? But <coughs> well, we, uh, they were so excited. many of you have built your own home time. So for them, it was no different exactly. like your experience, it was the same for them. Finally, finally, it <coughs> came today to move all their stuff in. And it was a beautiful house. I mean, it was built exactly the way they wanted. He was very much, they were both very much involved in the whole process. They had it, you know, just the way they wanted, the right colors, the right decor. Everything was right. We brought in all the furniture, furniture, and the whole time thing, thinking, what a nice house, what a beautiful house. This is so nice and clean and, and pristine. A couple weeks later, I go back for their big housewarming party where... They had moved everything in, had it just the way they wanted, had prayed over it, prepared it, and for the first time, they were inviting their neighbors over to get to know them. I walked in the door, and I knew immediately, that was no longer just a pretty house. It was a home. Miss Sisi made sure. Miss Cece, I bet Jesus too. All kinds of love. You can see all kinds of love all over that house. That was no more a house, but that was a home, and that's the exact word that God's using. He's saying, go and build homes Permanent, put-down roots. I'm asking you to build relationships, not just a house but a home, becoming part of a neighborhood permanently. And the word here is to settle down. The word for settle down, of course, means to put down roots, but it also means to stop running around. In the the original Hebrew, to to put down roots and to stop some of us with the, the present moving around. Well, you know the deal. At least for some of us, the present is hard. Some of us love to live in the past. And all the good stuff we ever had in our whole life is only in the past. We can't even imagine a time where there is something in the present and certainly not in the future that is nearly as good as the past. Others struggle with the present, because not because of the past, but because of the future. They are so convinced that what is coming in the future, or what may come in the future, and if they only pray and hope and wish hard enough will come in the future, it will be so much better than what is in the present. And God is saying, settle down, put down roots, stop running after things that may be and could be. In the, <clears throat> in the Old Testament, the, the phrase that comes from God is, don't look to the clouds don't look to the clouds, watch into the clouds that what may come, but to settle down, stop running around, looking for the next big thing. For the missionaries, we teach them to just, wherever you go, unpack your bags. And of course, there's a much deeper reason for that. My kids, they're getting on a plane on Wednesday. They're fl- hey, my, they're fl- my Bible says, don't have to live in them. And live in them, exactly. Settle down and just live there. Stay. Don't move around. Exactly. Thank you, Jimmy. Now, Jimmy's not getting on a plane. That would be convenient, but he's staying. He's going to live here. <laughs> and I, well, whatever. <laughs> I, they're gonna 32 hours or 33 hours? 33 hours they'll be on an airplane. Wow. And my word to them is when you get there, unpack. I love them. <laughs> you know I love them. You know, if it was up to their mommy and me, we'd want them to come back and not even get on the airplane. But I know God's calling them there, so my word to them is when you get there, unpack. That's your home. Put down roots. Live in the house. Settle down. Don't run around looking, oh boy, in two years when I get back home, in one year when my family comes to visit, in six months when I get to change jobs, in one year when I get to graduate and get out of here and go do something new, God's saying put down roots, settle down. And we, we, we experience, even though I'm a pastor, and I preach this and talk about this, I struggle with it myself. We moved a few months ago to a neighborhood in North. Fort Myers, and, and my life is here, my work is here, my heart is here, and I find myself running here, and, and I wasn't taking time to get to know people there, so I, I fought hard and, and stole away for an hour yesterday to go to an associational meeting. Can you imagine anything more boring than going to your, your condo or a homeowner's associational meeting? It was great! I made three new friends! I wouldn't have met them if I didn't steal away that hour. My heart was here. My job was here. My my life was here. Settle down. Live there. Get to know people. Build relationships and build a family. Let's look at uh, step number three. Step number two is uh, build relationships. Step number three is plant. Plant the gospel. Look again at verse five. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. How interesting! Again, this is an idea of permanence. That where I've placed you, where I've put you, I want you to put down roots. I want you to plant gardens because gar- you know the deal. every home gardeners, you know, gardens don't pop up in a week or two or a month. You know, I remember when uh, when I was uh, a kid, my uh, my neighbor Jordy. You will hear me talk about Jordy a lot, George. Was his real name, but his mom called him Jordy. So of course we called him Jordy too, because it really bugged him. So Jordy and his family took me to North Carolina, their little cabin, and and we were crazy naughty boys. And her, his mom and dad had the best idea ever. They took us to that little feed store and gave us each two dollars. We got to buy four or five little packets of seeds. Well, that kept us busy all week long, clearing this little piece of land and carefully planting each one of those seeds, coming home exhausted at night, taking a shower and going to bed. Uh, They win the award for the smartest parents on earth, you know, but I could not wait to see what was going to grow. And We planted all kinds of exotic things, just sure we were going to have a bountiful harvest. Well, we were only there for six days, rotten tomatoes and maybe a carrot. We went back at the end of the summer, I think they found two old rotten uh, tomatoes and maybe a carrot or two. That was it. But you've got to stay. You've got to be permanent. you got to wait. The Bible says here, even eat the fruit of your labor. Enjoy it to the very end. The biggest difference here uh, through this verse is, this is showing the biggest difference between local missions that we're talking about right now here in Cape Coral and global missions, what my kids are going to do, or what we do as mission trips. When we go to Columbia, when we, excuse me, when we go to um, Uh, Guatemala, when we go to Cuba, a place like that, we're there for a week, and we're planting seeds, and we're pouring into people, and we're sharing our faith, we're doing missions, but come Saturday, we got to get back on that airplane, and leave, and come back, and we don't get to eat the fruit of our labor, we don't get to participate in the harvest, but local missions, what we're talking about here whether it's uh, in a community or in a school or in a neighborhood or in a neighbor's house, that's where we get to stay and that's where we get to to eat that fruit. How do we plant these seeds? What would that look like? I remember uh, during the last hurricane, I was still in Miami. I was serving as a local missions pastor. So we did all kinds of activities like that and we had the Baptist Global Relief and we have, of course, many of you yellow shirts and yellow hats here as well. I remember one lady uh, called me on the telephone, thanking me for all the bumblebees in her backyard. Come, uh, distraught her yard, I catch up to her, but she was in awe. She, she had come uh, distraught, her yard was completely trashed, and trees had fallen through her roof, and her screens were all torn up. She had come to the church, it took her hours to wait in line, finally got a hold of someone, and we sent a team of these 70-year-plus workers, the bumblebees, she called them. And they were all over her yard, and within an hour and a half, everything was clean. That lady never missed another Sunday at church after that. She didn't know us from Adam. She didn't know anything about us or the church or, or anything we did. But those bumblebees made all the difference in the world for her. Uh, Last a couple of days ago, we helped bring a bunch of furniture over to the uh, Cape High High School. In a couple of days, we're going to go back and help decorate their, their teacher's lounge. Some of those teachers, we knew some we didn't know. The, the conversations that we had with teachers there, I never would have had, had we not been there serving those teachers. Again, back in Miami, where I served as a local missions pastor, we would had a, a prison ministry. We would go into the prisons... Hold Bible studies, hold worship services, uh, preach the gospel to these guys and to these gals. Because trust me, those guys needed Jesus. Well, here's a side benefit: their families, who were still on the outside, they saw the change in their brothers. And we had to start a whole new church from that we were ministering to. They started coming to church. We had to start a whole new church from the families of the uh, convicts who were coming to Christ and coming to faith because God was changing their life so much. For years, we would go into a children's detention center in Miami. You've heard about it when the kids come across the border without any parents. Well, they're gathered into these centers. One of those is in Homestead, Florida. And they, for reasons which I to this day do not understand, they allowed us to come in and hold worship services for these kids. Thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand kids freshly arrived in our country away from parents, having gone through literal hell to get to that place and now finally safe and secure. And as we would hold these services, we had hundreds of boxes of tissues because the the, stri- the, the tears were streaming. The, the side effect we were not expecting is as we were ministering to these kids and preaching to these kids and sharing the gospel with these kids, all of the workers were watching everything. You would not believe dozens and dozens and dozens of families from the workers that were working with these kids began coming to church because they saw all of the love that we were sharing with those kids, foster and adoption parents. As we've hosted here in our church building, foster and adoption groups to meet here as watching. This is seed planting. God is calling us to go and to do good. And that involves planting seeds and staying long enough to see the fruit of that seed as it grows and a four-step. God is calling us to increase and not decrease. Look at verse, the rest of verse 6. Increase in number there, do not decrease. What is God saying here? Well, the word for increase in, in, in the original language means to, to grow greater in number or to grow greater in strength, both. To grow greater in number, more of you, or to grow greater in strength. I'll take either one. But this is exactly what God is calling us to do. As we go and as we do good, God is calling us, of course, to plant these seeds. God is calling us to go and to build relationships. I told you, I, I met these three friends yesterday at the association meeting. Well, that's great. I'm building relationships. I'm, I'm building that. I, I let a few of them know that I'm a, I'm a pastor and, and let them know they're most welcome to come join us. So I I've, I've planted some seeds. Well, folks, there's, there's more. Now, God's calling us to increase. That's, that's great. That's awesome. You're three steps down the road. But God's saying, take that fourth step. Now, you don't bring the increase. I don't bring the increase. That's God's job. But God is calling us to plant and to put down roots and to love on folks and to pour. Our good doing should draw. Give them the opportunity to grow and to know God. Our good doing should draw others. Not only planting, but also seeing the increase. Folks, what would that look like for you? I, you know, i would named off a bunch of things that, that we have done in the past or that this church is currently doing. You may have a totally and completely different idea. It's great. I can't wait to hear it. Whatever your idea is, however God is moving in your heart, God is saying, do it. Move out and do that. Go. Do good. And the fifth, the fifth step is at the very end. Verse 7. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Okay, this is very important Do we catch this. In fact, can we see that? Yeah. Are we there? Number five. There you go. Good. Alright, uh, you see see the words? In fact, I'm going to come over here to so make sure I see them. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. I know the sign's in the way. That's good. I want it to be in the way. But You see all those three reds? In the original language, Hebrew the New Testament was originally written in the original language a lot. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was originally written in Greek, and so... Those three words are all the exact same word in Hebrew. Anyone guess what that word might be? You've probably heard it somewhere. Shalom. Excellent. So if you've heard that word, shalom, let's dig into that word. For In fact, go ahead. There you go. That's what it looks like. In the original language, it looks something like that. Also, seek the shalom of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it shaloms... <laughs> You too will shalom. That's what God is actually saying to you and me. What does that word shalom mean? Of course it means peace. That's the most direct and literal translation of the word. But it means peace and prosperity. It means peace and contentment. It means peace and completedness. To be be whole or mature or, or, or finished. It even means to be satisfied or to say... I have enough. Wow. When was the last time you said those words? Thanks. I have enough. That's not very American, is it? Because there's always more. There's always more time. There's always more money. There's always more toys. There's always more food. We bless someone with it, it means to give someone. But apparently, this word shalom, when we have it or when we bless someone with it, it means to give someone that sensation, that feeling, that 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 place in your life when you can say, I am at complete peace. I am completely contented. I have everything I need. I have enough. And this is what God's saying. Also, seek the complete peace contentious of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because it it shaloms. You too will have complete peace and to be able to say, I have enough. Folks, that's huge. Here's a huger part. That's good grammar for you. The hugerest part of all is this. We're not praying for the shalom of your brothers and sisters in church. We're not seeking and praying for and hoping and wishing and longing for the shalom of your brothers and sisters in the church that you already love and you're already invested in and you already care about. God's doing all this and asking all of this and focusing all this on those people that don't yet know him and that you don't yet know. Why? Because as they shalom, so will you. God, of course, asks us to pray. He says, pray for them. Yes, Pray. But even more than that, he asks us to seek. And that's a very interesting word in the original language. It means actually rub over and over again in one spot. If any of you have been to um, maybe to Europe or, or to South America, some of these old cathedrals, you've seen some of those statues of Jesus or, or other Bible characters, and, and they're made out of marble or maybe, maybe out of bronze. Sometimes if the statue is low enough that people can actually get to it, you'll notice maybe the feet... Or the hand, it looks like it's been rubbed down to nothing. <laughs> Complete, All the fingers are gone. All the toes have been rubbed smooth. Why is that? Well, century after century after century, people have come by and they've sought to seek. They've come by and they've tread there. They've rubbed there over and over and over and over and over again until it is rubbed smooth. That's the exact word that God is using here. <clears throat> when he's telling us to seek The shalom, the complete, completedness and peace of our neighbors and our friends that don't yet know Jesus. He's saying to do it over and over and over again until they finally get it. Because when they are experiencing true shalom, you will have it too. Folks, that's huge. It's a huge responsibility, but it's a tremendous blessing. Yes, we're praying for them. It says it right there, pray for this. But it also says, seek this. And that is that continual, repeated, without ceasing, until it's almost rubbed right here in our church. I'll give you two very good examples as we finish up. This month alone, we have two opportunities. As we go back to Cape High School, you may want to go with us and help us decorate that teacher's lounge just to bless the teachers. We're not going to lay out Bibles. We're not going to write Bible verses on the side. We're not going to grab teachers out of the hallway and start preaching to them. (laughs) We're probably just going to bring them donuts and bagels. Maybe pastelitos if I have my way. We're just going to love on them, encourage them, and let them know that there's a church that supports them, encourages them, and is praying for them. And I know that when those seeds go into the ground and begin to grow and bear fruit... God will allow us to be a part of that. And then the second opportunity is the very end of this month. The very last Sunday is our big fall festival. And all of you are invited. And it's going to be a great time. And hundreds of people from our community will be right here on our campus. Here's the deal. Someone's got to talk to them. Someone's got to hand them candy. Someone's got to prepare hot dogs and hand them a hot dog. Someone's got to give them a soda. Someone's got to give them water. Someone's got to show them where the bathroom is. Someone has to clean the bathrooms when it's all over. Someone has to be involved in all of those things. And that's all to bring shalom to our city. Will you be involved? Kevin just told you the list is right there on the border. You can talk to him, talk to me. But you can be involved in going and doing good, starting right here at our campus. It is clear that we have been trained to love God and to love others. The question is, will you go? Let's pray. Father God, you are a patient God. A God who has everything we need and gives us every good tool that is necessary to do what you've called us to do. God, you've prepared us. You've taught us how to love you. God, you've prepared us. You've given us opportunities to love each other here inside the walls of the church. And now, God, you are asking us to take that step of faith and to go public with all of this training and all of this preparation. So, God, we pray that you would be faithful to go ahead of us, preparing the way and opening the hearts to those that we would be sharing with. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a sending God and that we, your people, are your sent ones. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening this week to the New Hope Church podcast. If you live in and around Cape Coral, Florida, we would love to have you visit our church campus. If you would like some more information about us, we can be found at www.NewHopeCapeCoral.com.